Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. <laughs> you have found us once again on Him Talk, Talk Twin, Twin Talk. Talk. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm. We are really excited about this week. I mean, we kind of say that every week here in America. It's a big week. Right. Tomorrow, well, if you're here listening on Monday, tomorrow here in the United States is our election day. Yes. And so by the end of the day tomorrow, we will find out who our number 46 is. Yep. Or, well, I guess... It, or 46 45 will, five will again stay the same. <laughs> yes, right. yes. I mean, it's a big week. And, mm -hmm. and we kind of wanted to do something that was relevant and meaningful right. somehow to the White House, to former presidents, something that would be a little bit special for this week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone would guess that we discuss it as much as we do, Carrie, <laughs> but we really do talk about it. One of the things we talked about was how about a hymn that would just be comforting and that would be assuring because, you know, people are probably full of a lot of uncertainty right now. Right. You know, but we had just done Blessed Assurance last week, right. which was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And so... We said, okay, well, what about a hymn that just was a president's favorite hymn right. or a hymn that was played at inaugurations? Yeah. And there's actually a lot of information out there about former presidents who have mm -hmm. loved music, mm -hmm. who've had music in the White House. Right. Can you think of a president who has shared his musical talent I mean, with the I world? I mean, I can remember Bill Clinton <laughs> playing his saxophone. Oh, It was kind of a big deal. Right. And, I mean, Ronald Reagan was an actor, That's so right. he had a whole reel of things that he had done yeah, for the he public. Al he actually also played the harmonica. Oh, he did? Okay. Yes. I mean, Richard Nixon was a classically trained pianist and also played the accordion. Harry Truman played the piano. I mean... One of our most musical presidents was Warren Harding. He said he played every instrument except for the slide trombone and the E-flat cornet. Wow. I mean, that's talent right there. We need there. some fact-checking, though. <laughs> that's fake news. So in the course of our research, Carrie actually found a hymn that neither one of us had heard of. Right. The hymn is called Lead, Lead Kindly, Kindly Light. Light. And it had been used in a bunch of inaugurations. It was said to be Dwight Eisenhower's favorite hymn. And we looked at it and we sang it. Mm -hmm. And we kind of decided, no, this isn't the one we want to do for this election <laughs> no. week. So we have a song that we think a lot of people know. We think people know it even if they don't go to church because it has some wider appeal. Absolutely. So we're going to give you a few little hints. Now, this hymn was sung mm -hmm. by a choir mm -hmm. at John F. Kennedy's funeral on mm -hmm. November 25th, 1963. It was also sung at the funerals of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and Gerald Ford. And in 1995, Jimmy Carter talked about the plans that were being made for his future funeral, which, of course, we, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't yet happened yet. <laughs> but there's like all of this business goes into creating right. and planning the funeral. It's a 400-page document. Wow. And it will be played at Jimmy Carter's funeral as well. And a little fun fact. 
Jimmy Carter is the longest living president. That's right. Yes. He just we had just... a birthday this fall, mm-hmm. and he likes this hymn, too. He likes this hymn, too. Okay, two more hints, because I'm not sure those were helpful to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the song that was sung at JFK's funeral? No, I don't know. I mean, okay, don't... ready? This hymn also appeared in a the movie Titanic. Oh, great movie. Besides the title of it, it is also quite well known as the The United United States States Navy Hymn. All right. right. (laughs) Oh, we just said all right at the same time. All right. right. Do you know what it is? We love this song. Are you ready? The name of this week's hymn on Hymn Talk Twin Talk is Eternal Father Strong to Save. I hope people I hope people are clapping right along. Yeah, it's such a good hymn. And again, because of this week that we're in, people who are going to wake up, you know, Wednesday morning being really happy or really disappointed. But you know, no matter what happens in our country, God is the eternal father. And this song is such a great reminder. His strength sustains us through everything. Right. Eternal Father, he's strong enough. To save. He Mm -hmm. really is. And even though people are feeling like there's so much change and there's so many things that maybe aren't going their way, the one thing that never changes is God. Mm -hmm. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this hymn, which spans over a hundred years, reminds us that some things just don't change. Mm -hmm. And that is God. And that really is the beauty of these hymns. Right. The hymns, the words that were sung 100, 200, 300 years ago, the words that were sung, um, the theology that was shared, it still remains the same. Mm-hmm. That's why we're still singing them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this song, Eternal Father Strong to Save, was written by words by William Whiting with music by John Bacchus Dykes. All right. All right. Now, we thought we would sing... The first verse for you Definitely. Um, hopefully, if you're not sure of which hymn it is, when we sing it, you'll recognize it. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm does bind the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. Does that sound familiar? I hope so. I hope so. So what's interesting about this, it really breaks from the structure of verse and refrain. It has four verses that are, for the most part, all different. Mm -hmm. So there's no sense of, oh, this refrain that's like repeated and easy to learn and easy to sing. Every verse sort of stands with its own set of words. And they kind of all end with, for those in peril on the sea. Yeah, exactly. That could be considered like a small kind of refrain or a response. But the fourth verse. Right, it changes. At the very end, instead of for those in peril, now we're sort of giving thanks back to God for saving us from Mm -hmm, our peril. mm -hmm. And the last line is... Glad hymns of praise from land and sea. So 
we were singing that kind of at our own tempo, and I felt like I wanted mm. to go faster, didn't you? I feel like when we sing this as a congregational hymn, which mm-hmm. I, I think it's been a while. It's been a while. But I can remember accompanying mm-hmm. it and playing it in our church. Yes. We take it at a pretty fast clip, mm-hmm. well, don't we? Yes. But as we listened to other performances on YouTube and different hymn websites, everybody takes it so much slower. I mean, way slower than even what we just did. And I felt like we we sang it slow. Right. Yeah. I wanted to go faster the whole time. So I found the actual like video footage of John F. Kennedy's funeral. Okay. And the hymn was so slow right. that I almost couldn't recognize the hymn. And so the, the footage was right there on YouTube. Maybe we can share it on our yeah. social media. Yeah. In 1963, the U.S. Naval Academy had a Catholic choir, mm-hmm. and it was chosen to sing at JFK's funeral. And the Kennedy family requested three songs. The three songs that they requested were Londonderry Air. If people don't know what Londonderry Air was. Londonderry Air is the name of the tune. Mm -hmm. And it's anonymous. You know, nobody really knows where it came from. They call it Londonderry Air because it's from that area of Ireland. Mm -hmm. But once words were set to it, most people know it as... Oh, Oh, Danny Danny boy. Boy. Yep. So JFK's family, they asked for that. They asked for Eternal Father Strong to Save, which is great. And they asked for Nobis Pachem, which is Latin for Bring Us Peace. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I read that this Catholic choir practiced all weekend because they needed to be ready with those three songs. And they sang in front of the White House as the funeral procession of national and world leaders marched off following um, the the casket of JFK. So, I mean, if you were watching the funeral back then in 1963, you heard it. But if you weren't watching it, you may have heard it from different things on TV and movies. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we just jumped from funerals to Hollywood. I know. Are you with us? Are you with us? Well, you have heard it in movies. You've heard this hymn. We said at the beginning, we gave you the big hint that it was in the movie Titanic. There are people who believe that it was sung during that voyage, during one of their chapel services, but it is argued not 100% sure. I mean, it's it's nice to think that it was sung, but we don't really know for sure. There's different accounts of that chapel service yes so but other movies too so where else kelly i mean let's see i don't know if people would remember um a movie that came out in 2014 and it was called for those in peril wow yeah and it was about of about a team of fishermen who died at sea it was a movie in 1995 called crimson tide it appeared in that that was denzel washington Mm -hmm. right yeah there was a movie uh all about jfk in 1991 called JFK. Mm-hmm. And of course, you heard that song there. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the old Avengers TV series in 1965? <laughs> wow. So some of our listeners must remember a TV series series about the Avengers. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, you know, over here in the Northeast, in New England. Yes. In New England, a big movie. I mean, mm-hmm. Hollywood hit Massachusetts when Hollywood told the story of fishermen who died off the coast of Gloucester, Massachusetts. Right. That movie was called The, the Perfect, Perfect Storm. Storm. And in that funeral scene in that movie, the mm-hmm. song was played as well. And of course, George Clooney was in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to see how Hollywood uses church music. Yeah. Let's go to the movies. <laughs> So, you know, we wanted to share with you how it's been in pop culture recently, mm-hmm. but really it comes from the U.S. Navy. 
Yes. Well, it's it was kind of well. Ad- that's what most people think. Right. right? Adopted or something yes. from the U.S. Navy. Right. But if you were to go to the chapel in Annapolis at the Naval Academy, mm-hmm. over the chancel of the chapel are these words written by William Whiting. Now, William Whiting wasn't from America. He wasn't a Navy man. I mean, it's interesting that it's been adopted right. so readily by the Navy and then, you know, throughout the country. But the author of the words was British. Right. Now, I read that in 1879, the Rear Admiral Charles Jackson Train Mm -hmm. was a lieutenant commander. He was stationed at the academy, and his job was being in charge of the midshipman choir. Awesome job. I want that job. (laughs) And um, he started the practice. So this is back in 1879. He started the practice of concluding every Sunday's service at the academy with singing of this, the first verse of the hymn. Right. So he started that, just one verse a week. And, like, let's just look at these dates, because he's doing this in 1879. The hymn, the way we know it now, was written in 1869. This was brand new. It was 10 mm-hmm. years old. And I can just imagine Lieutenant Commander Train hearing it or being exposed to it, finding the music, and he just loves it. Right. And probably not a lot of people know it. They're not exposed to it. So as soon as they hear it, they love it. Yeah. Yeah. So the words are, Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm does bind the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. So this is verse 2. O Savior, whose almighty word, the winds and waves submissive heard, who walked upon the form- foaming deep and calm amid the rage did sleep. O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. Verse 3. O Holy Spirit, who did brood upon the waters dark and rude, and bid their angry tumult cease, and give for wild confusion peace. O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. O Trinity of love and power, your children shield in danger's hour. From rock and tempest, fire and foe, protect them wheresoe'er they go. Thus evermore shall rise to thee glad hymns of praise from land and sea. Awesome. So that's the full hymn that appears in our hymnal. That's right. And this was in 1869, but prior to that, in 1861, he wrote the hymn, um, but it really became revised and edited quite a bit. The 1869 version is the version that we know. Mm -hmm. Now, William Whiting wrote the words. I feel like these Americans, these patriotic U.S. citizens Mm -hmm. love the Navy hymn, and it's really important to them, but do they know that it's written by, by a Brit. By a Brit. <laughs> by a Brit. <laughs> William Whiting. William Whiting. So, you know, a lot of hymns have two different people working on it. Mm-hmm. Hymns have a lyricist and a composer. It happens a lot, and sometimes it works works really well to have these two separate people working, and sometimes it's not so great. Right. So, But this week, Carrie and I did something kind of different. Yeah. Which we haven't really done. I started and I just went down this path. And right. then it was like I talked to Kelly and said, 
you you need to go in a different direction because I, I've done all this. Right. But I really went down the William Whiting path. I enjoyed his story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so she stuck with that. And then I said, I went down the path of John Bacchus Dykes. Right. He wrote the music. And I ended up loving his story. <laughs> so, Kelly, you have to teach me all about John B. Dykes because I don't know anything about him. Right. And now <laughs> you're going to teach us about William Whiting. Right. right. So, so I mean, our podcast listeners at home are going to hear the information about Whiting at the same time as I am. This uh, is all new to both of us. All right. Now the pressure's on. I have to engage you. I know. And our listeners. I know. If you hear me snoring, (laughs) then you'll know. Then you'll know. All right. William Whiting was born on November 1st, 1825. So how cool is this? His birthday. His birthday is right here, too. Yeah. He would be celebrating his 195th birthday this week. So how funny is this, Carrie? The U.S. Navy Mm -hmm. just celebrated a birthday not too long ago. Happy birthday, Navy. Right. The Navy was formed on October 13th, 1775. Wow. Yeah. So... I mean, just made the revolution just barely in time. I know, I know. (laughs) So, happy birthday, Navy, October 13th. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, William Whiting, November 1st. All right, there it is again. (laughs) All right, so William Whiting was born in the area of Kensington. So the town of Kensington is really a wealthy area in London. Um, Kensington should maybe sound familiar to some people because of Kensington Palace. This is currently the home of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Prince William and Kate live there with their children. I've actually been to Kensington Palace. I mean, I wasn't invited there by... It wasn't a special invitation by the Queen or anything. You just did the same tour that every other American every other American did. It contains some of the most famous free museums. So if you're in Kensington, hit the Museum of Science, the Museum of Natural History, the Museum of Architecture, and of course. Kensington Palace. Now, he was educated at Winchester College and Clapham. So Winchester College is still there. Wow. It is an independent boarding school for boys ages 8 to 18. It was founded in 1382. What? Yeah. I mean, it has. To, it's one of the oldest schools in England. It's been around for over 600 years. I mean, probably the one of the oldest schools in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it was founded by William of Wickham, and I actually would just love to talk about the school for a little okay. bit because I think the school had such an impact on William Whiting's life, and William Whiting stayed for a long time. So, so you're going to tell the story about the school. You really need a British accent. <laughs> All right, so there's no way. Carrie, Carrie, our great aunt who lives in England is calling in. Aunt Beatrice. Let's hear about this school, Aunt Beatrice. Well, Winchester College is an independent boarding school for boys ages 8 to 18. Now, what's most interesting about the school is that it has a choir, and these choristers are very special and very important to the school. They were only 16 boys in the choir, and they were all under the age of 12, which you know what that means. They all were singing with unchanged voices. That's right, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can I just go back fine, to being fine, me? Fine. Right. I loved it. That was our, we don't even have an aunt in England. <laughs> no, we don't. All right. Thank you, Aunt Beatrice, for, for phoning in. <laughs> so, yes, so he went to the school. Now, the original foundation of the school was, like I said, in 1382. Now, 
This William of Wickham, he was Lord Chancellor of England, and it was this huge job. He had tremendous wealth and tremendous power. He opened these two educational institutions, New College of Oxford and Winchester College. Think back to the late 1300s. He, his goal here, <laughs> let me think back. <laughs> the late 1300s, what? What? Right. So he's he created these institutions because he needed to train a new generation of men to serve in the clergy and the administration since so many lives were lost during the Black Death. Wow. This was this devastating global pandemic of the bubonic plague. Right. Right. William Whiting in 1842 had the job of supervising the education and boarding of the 16 boys who were mm. in the choir. And he had this job for 36 years. So is he musical? I mean, William Whiting, we know, did the words to right. the song. I'm not seeing any musical okay. training. In okay. fact, there's kind of a story that when he would have the boys sing, they wouldn't even sound that great. Like, oh. he wasn't the music instructor. He okay. wasn't the music trainer. So, you know, it was kind of a joke. Right. But he loved being there, and he he helped, and he taught. He was sort of like the housemaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in charge of these six. So that boys. was his full time job. Mm-hmm. Mon- and he Monday and he, through Friday. Yeah. Well, he lived there. <laughs> he lived it was there. a seven day a week job. I'm just going to describe it a little bit to you, Kelly. Okay. And see if it reminds you of anything. Okay. Every pupil at Winchester lives in a boarding house. The house is chosen or allocated to them when applying to Winchester. It is here that the student studies, eats, and sleeps. Each house is presided over by a housemaster, assisted by house tutors. The houses compete against each other in school (laughs) sports. Wow. Each house has an official name usually based on the family name of the first housemaster. Oh my gosh, that sounds just like Hogwarts. I know. I was reading about it, and that's all I kept thinking. Right. The well, house, England. I the mean, houses, the sports. Yes, there's even a train that would wow. go there. Yes, the train line has since um, been shut down. But yeah, it was so funny. It reminded me of Harry and Potter. And our little William Whiting was there. Mm-hmm. Now, when he was 35, he truly learned the power of the ocean. He was on this voyage, and a storm blew in. The crew of the ship was powerless. They were fighting the wind and the waves, unable to control the ship. And Whiting was able to remain calm throughout the storm, trusting in God. Of Mm. course, the storm abated and the damaged ship made it back to port. He was changed by this experience. He respected the power of the ocean nearly as much as he respected the God who made it and controls it. Right. Now, while he was at Winchester, a student, and I'm thinking it's a young boy because in the choir he would be between the ages of 8 and 12, there's a student who has to make the transatlantic journey to America, and he's confiding to William Whiting that he's afraid. Whiting told the student about his own experiences on the ocean, and he assured him with the words to the poem. He handed it to him, and he said, Before you depart... I want to give you something to anchor your faith. Oh, and he I love gave that. the word. And the words have changed a little bit over the years. Because mm-hmm. like I said, he revised it when it was published in the 1869 hymnal. But those words, talking to that student and encouraging him, definitely the hymnspiration. Right, the hymnspiration. Yeah, but also the 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 experience on the ship when in he the was, storm. Yeah, when he was 35 yeah. years old. Yeah. So this hymn that we 
associate with our Navy, mm -hmm. it is it is really a personal story for William Whiting. Now, over the course of the past few weeks when we've been looking at all of these hymns, mm -hmm. we have definitely seen different arrangements. We've seen right. hymns that have evolved over time. You know, I think a lot of us remember even this hymn that had maybe a little bit older English. You know, Eternal Father Strong to Save, Whose Arm Does Bind. I feel like I remember yeah. it saying Doth Bind. Right. You know, so, so sometimes the changes are just simple ones to make it more current. But we found a <laughs> vast number of arrangements of this song. Now, this one that is the one that's in our hymnal ha is very Trinitarian in nature. It's verse 1 is about God the Father. Verse 2 is about God the Son. Verse 3 is about the Holy Spirit. And verse 4 kind of puts them all together. Mm -hmm. And so that there's a definitely strong theme there. But, Carrie, tell us about some of the ones that you found that we just laughed at. Someone, like, someone sat down and put pen to paper and said, I want to change this. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, people love the tune. They I mean, love, the, love tune. the tune. Oh, I can't wait to talk about talk about J. B. Dykes. I, I cannot wait. I mean, he he is no minor composer. No. I mean, what he did here. Right. All right. So you may not realize that this there are words for the Navy, there are words for the Marines, there are words for the Coast Guard, there are words for Navy SEALs, Navy Seabees, doctors, female sailors. Even military families. Okay. I mean, you can Google these, and we could actually put them up on our social yeah. media. All right. Well, read read one of them to us. All right. Well, which one? How about the fe the the song for female sailors? Okay. Just a verse. The female sailors, um, written by Merle Strickland and James Shannon, and also Beatrice Truitt. It kind oh, of went through that's some. Our aunt. That's our aunt. <laughs> it kind of went through some revisions. O oh God, protect the women who, in service, faith in thee renew. O oh guide, devoted hands of skill, and bless their work within thy will. Inspire their lives that they may be examples fair on land and sea. Wow. I know. Wow. All right, give us another one. All right, so this one, I'm just going to have you guess. All right, written in 1961. Eternal Father, King of birth, who didst create the heaven and earth, and bid the planets and the sun their own appointed orbits run. Oh, hear us when we seek thy grace for those who soar through outer space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was that for astronauts? <laughs> Yes, of course. The astronauts need their need own naval hymn. I want to do a naval hymn for music teachers. We should add a verse. We should actually do for all teachers, especially, yeah, especially right, right now. now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I loved that about William Whiting. So is it my turn now to talk about dykes? <laughs> we are dying to know about dykes. Okay, good. All I'm right, so, so this, glad. This is Kelly's turn. Maybe this is better for us to take turns. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't keep interrupting each other. And actually, I got to go first because I'm older. Yes, by three minutes. We know, <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> so I first of all, I think this John Bacchus Dykes has a great story. Mm. And he probably, like William Whiting, had a privileged upbringing. Yeah. His family had money. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, his dad was a shipbuilder wow. and a banker. <laughs> so my guess is that he, with his banking income, led to him having this hobby of building right, ships. Just a hobby, right? Right. Um, his grandfather was a reverend at St. John's. His cousin was a reverend, 
and his uncle was the organist at this church. So in his life, he's surrounded by a love of the ocean and boats and, of course, people who are working in the church. Um, Also kind of really cool, he had an older sister Mm -hmm. named Eliza, and she was a poet and hymn writer, and they collaborated. Oh, brother and sister, I love it. Brother and sister, wouldn't you love that for our kids? Yes. He was born in Kingston-upon-Hull, England, he in, was English, too. In 1823. Is his aunt going to make an appearance? <laughs> no. <laughs> definitely not. Um, she's busy. Um, and he died in Ticehurst, Sussex, England, in 1876. Living in this house that was full of people who were in the church, he took violin lessons, he took pi- piano lessons, Aww. and at the age of 10, he became the organist at St. John's in Hull, There was no formal bringing him in, so I think he just kind of helped out his uncle, and then he just did a lot more of it. Mm. He went to St. Catherine College in Cambridge, England, and he was ordained in the Church of England in 1847. So this hymn writer was a reverend. He was Reverend John Bacchus Dykes. Wow. And in 1849, just two years after his, his ordination, he became the presenter and choir director at Durham What's Cathedral. What's that? Okay. What's that? It's a weird What's word, that? Carrie. So it's P-R-E-C-E-N-T-O-R. What's that? Presenter. <laughs> and this is what it is. It's a person who leads a congregation in singing. What? So, like, we do that. I'm a presenter. Yeah, in its singing and its prayers. It's from the early 17th century. Um, and then another definition was just a cleric who directs the choral services. So maybe that wouldn't be us because we are not, you know, people of the clergy. We're not clergy members. Okay. Right? So I I don't know if it's... It, so Maybe it's, it's some kind of combination? Like, it seems like a word that's specific to right. a member of the clergy who also does the music. Okay. But the thing is, is that Dykes had this reputation of of being much more formal in his choral training. Mm-hmm. He was very consistent on attendance, and he increased rehearsals, and he created music festivals for his choirs to sing Aww. at. This was very important to him, and it was yeah. like a passion of his. Now, one of the things that happened is that the church was more evangelical in nature, okay. which is what it's said in my research, but I know that evangelical in the 1800s is not the same thing that it means now. But oddly enough, Dykes favored the church practices that were was associated with the Oxford movement. It was much more liturgical, much more formal. He wanted choir robes. He wanted incest. He wanted communion wafers. He wanted them to wear vestments. They And the two groups, his grandfather on one side wow. and him on the other, which was the more like traditional way, they fought. They Aww. fought. And these two groups... Of there's two movements in church in the Church of England. This was called one was called the Oxford Movement. Um, they were very antagonistic towards each other. And one of the things I read said that they were even sometimes violent. What they argued over so many things. It really bothered Dykes because he did not get along with his bishop. Right. He even wrote to the higher ups for help, but they said, no, this is a local issue. You know, we're not getting involved. Mm-hmm. He was asking for help. The parish was growing and growing and growing, and he asked for someone to help him, you know, how I asked for someone to help me at our church. <laughs> and I just stepped up. You did, but the bishop said no. Wow. They all said no. He actually ended up 
stepping down from the church due to health reasons. They said that it was his physical and his mental health was just deteriorating. He left the church. He in 1875, he tried to rest, he tried to recover. He went to the south coast of England. I'm not really sh- we're not really sure what ended up happening, but he did end up dying. And he was only 53. And he ended up dying. Now, another another reverend named Fowler wrote a book about him and used a lot of his letters. And he says that the story of his death, that he died um, in a hospital, is false. Um, oh. They say that he died. He says that he died in an asylum. And it was because of a direct consequence of overwork that was exacerbated by his clash with the bishop. Wow. I know. And then others say that that's not true either. Others say that he died of syphilis. Oh. Yeah, so we don't really know. And I could just imagine the controversy. Did you hear how he died? You know, and then don't tell anyone. And so we don't really know. But we do know that he shares a grave with his youngest daughter, Mabel, who died at the age of 10 of scarlet fever. We're just covering all the plagues right now. I know. We're covering all the epidemics. This poor man. We also know John B. Dykes because of his other really famous hymn. And I bet everyone knows this. Everyone knows this. The hymn tune is Nicaea, which people probably don't know, but they know the title of the hymn, which is Holy, Holy, Holy. 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 So someday we should do that one, too. Oh, definitely. Because that's a favorite. But you can see he's doing these really traditional, structured hymns. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, Yeah, I can see him wanting to preserve that structure. Now, he was writing music, and he took this music very seriously. Mm-hmm. I think when there's a, a theologian, a reverend, yes. who's also writing music, they, they are putting a lot of great care and thought into it. Um, people didn't like his music, Carrie. Aww. Yeah, they said that it was a lo- very busy, that there were a lot of moving parts yeah. when it was unnecessary to do so. And, you know, he has this quote, actually. I found a quote from him. And he is talking about writing music. And he says, I never think of setting a hymn that is worthily set where the tune can be got. So he's saying, if I'm hearing a hymn and the music is worthy of the hymns, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to change the music. He says that would be silly caprice or vanity of presumption. Right, right. But if a hymn does not appear to be worthily set, then I own, I am induced, I may say sometimes almost compelled to try to do my best for it. I know so well the teaching power of hymns. Mm -hmm. If they are happily wedded, then I am very anxious to do my best as far as God is pleased to help me to add to the number of these felicitous unions. Mm. Yeah. So, so again, I, he's talking about this marriage of words and music. Right. And we talk about it all the time. Right. But how many other composers are really looking at it with such a discerning ear, right? I don't, I don't know if they are. I mean, he is, he, that's his, the ultimate goal here is to happily wed the tune and words. And, and maybe other people just want to make great tunes right. and fun tunes. Right. And, and he is really it's really important to yeah, him of the text. And if it, and if he doesn't think it's good, he's he's going right, to redo it. Right. He's going to redo it. And if it he thinks it's good, he's leaving it alone. He's right. going to go on. Okay. So the thing is, is he he wrote eleven hymn texts, and I looked all eleven up, and right. I've never heard of any of them. Right. His giftedness certainly wasn't in the words. We right. don't know any of them. 
but he wrote over 300 tunes. Wow. 300 tunes where many of them are still being sung today. Right. Of, I mean, to me, two of the most well-known mm-hmm. right there, Holy, 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 and, and Eternal yeah. Father. Yeah. And he, like many other hymn writers before him, he named his tunes. Mm-hmm. He named his tunes. And then they became just known as that. And it could be used for many different texts. And the tune for Eternal Father Strong to Save is called Melita. Melita. Yeah. So Melita, Carrie, mm-hmm. is often referred to as the Navy Hymn, so we know that. Yeah. And it's named after the island of Malta, an ancient seafaring nation, okay. which was then a colony of the British Empire. It's now a member of the Commonwealth of Nations, and it was the site of the shipwreck, which is mentioned in the Book of Acts, involving the Apostle Paul. Wow. So when you get off this hymn, this podcast... Go and look up Acts chapters 27 and 28. Mm. You'll hear about Paul's shipwreck, and you'll know that it's this island that Dykes was referring to, which is amazing because it's a song about prayer on land and sea. But he knew. He knew that. He saw the words. The very words themselves inspired him. Yes. Yeah, and then he was inspired by, you know, the story of Paul's shipwreck. Mm -hmm. Really the thing that inspired them, Carrie, Mm -hmm. is the Bible. Bible say. There's our girls asking us, what does the Bible say? There's a lot here. So we know that William Whiting was inspired by Psalm 107, how the words come right from this psalm. Can you read it for us, Kelly? Yes. And now there's 43 verses in okay. this psalm. Can you So you can definitely um, look it up on your own. But the first refrain right in the first two verses is something that we know and love and sing a lot. Mm -hmm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And if you go through the psalm, Mm -hmm. it starts talking about all sorts of things. Um, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Of course, they're talking about the Israelites wandering in the desert. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, Prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Mm -hmm. That's really the point of this whole hymn. Mm -hmm. Then they cried to the Lord in their times of trouble and he saved them from their distress distress. And then verse 23, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to their depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. Then They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. That's the refrain that we keep hearing. Mm -hmm. And then what did God do? He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. And praise him in the council of the elders. Mm. 
This is a great psalm of praise. I invite you to read the whole mm-hmm. thing and meditate on how God has saved his people over and over again. And his people who are here, living here, God will save us again if we cry out to him in times of trouble. That's what that first verse is about. Yeah. Mm. All right, so the second verse. What does the Bible say? <laughs> so this is the verse that talks about Jesus. And of course, this is referencing the famous story that we find in Matthew 8. Yeah. Jesus is sleeping. Mm-hmm. Jesus is sleeping and up, you know, above on the deck, they're like bailing water out. Um, there's totally a huge panicking. storm and they are panicking and they run to Jesus to say, you know, don't you are, care about are you us? doing something? Yeah. And he says in 826, you of little faith, yeah. why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and mm-hmm. the waves and it was completely calm. Yeah. So again, we cried out to Jesus in our distress, and he stopped the storm. William Whiting really tells the story yes. right in yep. the second verse. Mm-hmm. Now the verse 3 moves over to the Holy Spirit. Right. And I love this. So, O Holy Spirit, who did brood upon the waters dark and rude. So this comes right from Genesis 1.1. In fact, some of the Bible translations actually do use the word brood. Okay. Uh, Mine doesn't. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in our translation, it says hovering. But Mm -hmm. I have seen Mm -hmm. brooding, that the Spirit was there from the beginning of time. Mm. And then we finally, in verse 4, we pray to, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It says, our God will shield his children in danger's hour. And then it just lists all the things that it could shield us from. Yeah. And again, this kind of reminds me of Psalm 107. From rock, from tempest, from fire, from foe, protect them wherever they go. And then when we have that protection, we lift up our hymns of thanks and praise. Right. And Psalm 107 is a hymn of thanks and praise. And Eternal Father Strong to Save is a hymn of thanks and praise. So I hope you really enjoyed listening to this. And there's so much that you can really get out of it between Mm -hmm. Whiting and John Bacchus Dykes. But I guess the thing that we really want you to take away from this today is that our God is strong. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. He is above all kings and princes and presidents. Mm -hmm. And when we put our trust in him, we are putting our trust in a way higher power than our own government. Right. And, I mean, the hymn says, for those who are in peril on the sea. But, I mean, this can be anybody. And Mm -hmm. your sea can just be... Life. Your life. Life. Yeah, if things are feeling really troubling. Mm -hmm. So today, we want to just end in prayer. Yeah. We have a big week here um, and a lot of change that that could happen, a lot of disappointed people or a lot of angry people. people. I mean, it it, it could be a lot of people who are very, very unhappy. So if you would just join us as we pray for this election, um, yeah. That God's will would be done here in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's pray. God of mercy, our nation is in a time of great transition. With all of the injustice and fear in our world today, we ask you to inspire us and guide us as we participate in the upcoming election. 
Father, we praise you and thank you for saving us. We thank you for your love and power and your strength. Please be with all those who are listening. In your precious name we pray. Talk Twin Talk. Thanks for listening. Next time we see you, we'll know who our next president is. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I right. wonder what our next hymn will be. Mm. Something to think about. All right. We hope you tune in every Monday morning. Yep. On Amazon Music or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Keep singing. Bye.